It's Wednesday, October 8th, 2015, and you're listening to episode 381 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 43 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is John. This is Julia. And this is a sadly sober Brodor. <laughs> we did not drink at dinner. No, we didn't. Uh, it's, yeah, because I'm not going to tell that story. So, <laughs> um, and joining us today, we've got the Dr. Bob Ahrens. Hello. How are y'all doing out there? All right. So Bob is going to join us as a guest host. This is not an interview show. It's funny, too, because Chris was actually available for tonight, and I kicked him off the show. Because I won't deal with more than one remote host. So, Bob, let's get started with what you're here to talk about. What is DrewCon? When is it happening? What's going on with that? So, DrewCon is basically our filler for Fear the Con. Since there's not going to be a Fear the Con in 2016, and we simply can't go uh, a year without something uh, involving gaming and the Fear of the Boot community down in St. Louis. Uh, myself and Adam Gottfried and Derek Knutson took it upon ourselves to put together uh, a con. We're calling DrewCon in honor of the Drury Inn. It's at a different Drury Inn, but still at a Drury Inn. And uh, we are doing a fundraiser right now on Indiegogo to try to raise money to make this happen. We have decided that we're going to make it happen no matter what. So right now we're trying to raise $2,000 just to make it so that we're not paying out of pocket for the con to happen. It's not going to be as lavish as Fear the Con is. We're not going to have free beer and we're not going to have wing night. But what we are going to have is gaming. We're going to have Mikey Mason. We're going to have the same... Good people running and playing games that we do every year, hopefully. Uh, you know, it's going to be through Con Planner. Basically, the only difference between Fear the Con and Drew Con, if we have it our way, is going to be, you know, you don't have the pesky drive home at the end of the night because the convention itself is going to be at a hotel. And the money they're raising is going to go to pay for things like the hall rentals or I guess the convention room or the conference room rentals and such to hold these games and uh, things like that. This is a fan convention, so Fear the Boot is not touching this money at all. Everything you give goes directly to the individuals that are running it. Uh, we do absolutely support it, and I intend to be there. I don't. I can't. Julie is nodding. Yes, I'll I, be there. I can't speak on behalf of all the hosts, but I still intend to be there. We're taking a year off from Fear of the Con for a couple reasons, front and center of which is the fact the convention hall will not be there next year. They are tearing down the Maryland Heights Convention Center or the Community Center, and they're going to rebuild it. And so it physically will not be there by summer of next year. So I, I will be there under two conditions. One, the man's boot is not on my throat. I can't. I can't promise that. And two, Bob, what are you a doctor of? Computer science. He's a doctor of... It's like this long degree, but it basically boils down to artificial intelligence. Yeah, more or less. I have a a boner. (laughs) Did (laughs) did you not hear? We did a bonus episode talking to Bob about the role of artificial intelligences in gaming. I have not heard that episode. And I talked him into running a game, which he did, I believe, at the next Fear of the Con. He ran a paranoia game where friend computer was a computer. Wow. Yep, I remember that. That was funny. How did that go, Bob? I don't think we ever did a follow-up with you on that. How did that go? I don't think we did. It actually went 
bizarrely well. The software I used is a thing that basically takes in a whole bunch of text and then tries to extrapolate what it would be like if whatever being you know produced that volume of text decided to produce more text just like it. It really did capture the feel of the computer from Paranoia. Um, the downside was that since most of the dialogue available for Friend Computer is in one-line snippets, you know, it can't give you a paragraph. You know, you have to have paragraphs in for paragraphs out, which is uh, another chatbot that I did where I uh, took the text from TimeCube. And through that, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, and I ran. That was educated, stupid. Did that site go down? Yeah, I heard it did. That time he was gone. Yeah, uh, apparently someone didn't pay for the domain to be (laughs) re-registered. Well, they were only paying one fourth the amount they needed to because one day is four days long. So they were paying the entire. So they were paying the entire amount. I mean, come on, what are you educated, stupid? I guess so. That sounds yeah. like evil one-ism to me. Yeah, or John with his queer god teachers. Was that one of them? <laughs> That's a real squad off the site. Okay. Oh, God, I, he gets I'm into sure everything. It's... Yeah, okay, so for anyone who has no idea what we're talking about or hasn't followed the show on, there is a website, or was, called timecube.com, and it is the ramblings of a man who is literally, I'm not making fun here, he's literally schizophrenic, and it's the site where he rambles about how he thinks there are four parts to a day no 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 four simultaneous 24 hour days yeah one rotation and if you disagree with this he's got a long (laughs) list of insults (laughs) a lot of it just devolves into racist and homophobic invective yes yes the limited few phrases i've used here are the clean ones cleaner of the ones that are were or are on that website Mm. it's it's long gone and probably better that yeah it was it was an era it was an epoch of the internet and it's it's kind of come and gone i guess but all right so drewcon bob what are the dates on drewcon so drewcon is going to be next june june 3rd and 4th uh you can get all the information on our indiegogo page or on facebook i'm sure you'll link from the show notes yes i will one thing I do want to point out is that since this is an Indiegogo, if you're not familiar, it's just like Kickstarter. We do have perk levels for donations. We do have stretch goals. Stretch goals go up to and including uh, neat things if you attend, like a leather dice cup. The uh, There are a lot of folks in the Fear the Boot community that are helping out with this. For example, Ruben Smith-Zemple is doing our art. He'll be doing a poster that will also be available as a T-shirt and a shoulder bag. And some of our stretch goals go into, uh, for example, paying him for his work. Uh, right now, he is offering to do all this for free. But if, for example, if we raise $2,500, you know, 500 more than the 200 that we are trying to, we will kick in a uh, plane ticket for him. And Bob, am I correct that this is a ticketless game day? Is that correct? Absolutely. It'll be entirely free. Okay. So, yeah, check the show notes for all that, for a link to the Indiegogo campaign, for a link to the Facebook group. Once again, this is going to be the fan convention that is replacing Fear the Con next year, and then hopefully we'll be back with a Fear the Con in two years. But either way, that's just dealing with near futures. That's what we got coming up. All right, so before we get into our gaming topic, John, this is something you told us about a while back, but then you went to Europe 
And you have another story from us from there that you don't want to tell today. But you said something about you had a little issue on Reddit. It wasn't an issue so much as as a funny little flub. Uh, I got downvoted in a conversation about Fear the Boot, referencing something that I said to you on an episode. And I don't remember the subject matter. <laughs> but like I was at least <laughs> expecting some engagement. But I got no responses. And I came back an hour later, and it was zero points. And I was like, well, <laughs> shit. Thanks a lot, RRPG. Yes, it was about <laughs> a topic. It was a, some common piece of advice. Uh, and again, details. This was a couple months ago. But uh, I said something to the effects of, oh, yes. And when I told Dan this, that happened. And no one responded. And one person downvoted me. So whoever you are, downvoter, I'm on to you. And I will find you. I have thousands of karma on Reddit, hundreds of it in RRPG. And I will get you. <laughs> I it's got like gilded when, one time. It's like when Arnold Schwarzenegger gets downvoted on on our weightlifting. <laughs> he usually gets immediately cross posted to best of and gilded twelve times. And it is funny though when he just like pops into fitness and talks about what his routine was that day and just leaves. <laughs> it is funny because of the fact that you know, for our jokes we tell, there's certainly one thing where we are the top subject matter experts, and that's Fear the Boot itself. Yes. (laughs) And so it's hilarious when you go into a discussion on that topic and get I think we were talking about GMPCs. I think we were... I think I was saying... Did you disagree with me? Never do it. Oh. No, and and I don't know if your position was more equivocal or the opposite or, or whatever it was, but I basically came out swinging, as did everyone in that thread, because they were correct. Uh, don't run a friggin' PC if you're the GM. They're insufferable. Um, but we've covered that topic before, and I'm right. sure all sensible people listening to me right now agree anyway. I, I didn't comment only because the intention was to have this episode be positive. I tend to bring the negative, so I thought that I would just keep my stupid mouth shut. All right, shut. all right, let's, let's move on to the positive. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> players, <laughs> players I want to have at game. Okay, yeah. GMs so. who don't run PCs. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So, all this transition. All right, so today we're going to talk about Thigh Several episodes back, we had Fi Hags, which is f***ers I hate it gaming. And this is the reverse, except we're running it now with I want it gaming. And so we're going to talk about the positive traits we see, the good things we've seen at gaming that we'd like to see more of. Now, there's only one thing I want to put off as topic forbidden permits many money more, which is simply negating something. So being like, oh, I like so-and-so because he doesn't consistently fart at the table. (laughs) That does not count. Have you been talking to my players again? (laughs) Nope. But he, does, for, he doesn't smell like Mountain Dew and Yes, for example, someone who does not play a GMPC, we're just negating a trait there. We're not actually offering a positive thing that they contribute. So if somebody comes to the table and all you can say is they don't stink, that's not a why. Now, if they come smelling uniquely of... I don't know. Some scent you like. Julia, you're a woman. What scent do you like? Cheddar and salami. Yes. So they come smelling of cheddar and salami, just like Julia likes. It smells like terrible porn. Just like Julia does. All right. So so one of of my players brings his weed to the game, and he has this weird de-seeder grinder thing and does it at the table. But it smells good, so I like that he does that. (laughs) Okay. So our first (laughs) fragrance, Broder likes people that grind their weed. 
table. At the table. And I was going to put and names And he keeps with... it in a medicine, a little, in a little pill jar. Oh, they too. all do that. And yeah. Broder, I want to congratulate you because <laughs> when we did the Fire Hags topic, we did not name any names because I don't like to use the show as a bully pulpit to bash people, right? I figured on this topic, we're going to add names because we're talking about positive things. You mean Jason... <laughs> that is that what is that what I was not supposed to do? Because uh, I was talking about his weed, weed friend. <laughs> and so, yeah, now you have actually As your given, attorney. Yeah. <laughs> you have successfully found a way to make a a compliment at least partially unerable. I'll have to censor his name at the very least. No, it's a, it's a trip too because he's got his little. Uh, his it's little a crime, dis- bro. <laughs> I mean, we can debate whether it should be or not. But the reality is, in the United States of America, as of today, it is a federal and I think, what, 40-some-odd states. It is a state-level crime that you just... <laughs> that I just threw him yeah. right under the bus. You, you got any, like, no, no, Ashley I mean, Madison it, names you want to drop? Yeah. <laughs> I do. They're all bots anyway. Yeah. Let, let's get Ed Snowden on here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So... All right, so Brodor likes people that grind their weed at the uh, table. I like the aroma. It's nice. Okay, so mark your calendars. I'm going to talk good about Chris Hussey, if you can believe that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Is, I just remember smells like salami. one of the first couple episodes. I'm like, you guys are so mean to him. Like in my little girly Julie self. And then I'm like, oh. And he's going to be dead so soon. That's oh. true. You have to use what time you have with him left to say nice things about him. Chris is shameless and i think that's a good thing when he gets into his pcs or npcs he gets into them right this is a man who does not get held back by self-consciousness or really even the restraints of a decent human being but when you're talking about throwing yourself into a character that is exactly what's needed because man he brings it Right, we always tell a story about him getting up on a chair at Fear of the Con to do an ogre. That's Chris. You go look at his Battletech game in a year. Tabletop war game. Not running the role-playing games. Just tabletop war game. It, he always gets his people doing chants and yelling and into it. Chris always brings the energy. All right, so there's my first wag. You know who I love is people that I call the diggers. And I, I don't mean Protestant radicals. By <laughs> I could bleep one letter of that and cause you a whole lot of consternation. Do you want to bleep a snowman? (laughs) What I mean by diggers is people who will grab onto a little piece of background or a little detail and ask for more. You know, when, when when they're asking me as a GM to yes and, like if I roll up some treasure... And on the table, chair table, it says, you know, oh, there's a golden puzzle box worth 500 gold. I love it when someone's like, a puzzle box? What kind of puzzle box? It's like, oh, great. Thank you. Uh, you know, you have just <laughs> given me a hook for a game three down the line. I know exactly what I'm going to do with this. Bob, I'm going to ask you a question already guessing the answer is yes. Have you ever had a game saved by the fact that a player was more into it than you are? No. Oh, really? I have. Oh, yeah. I've had. Sure. Oh, yeah. I, I, I know that, you know, it's definitely happened and I've definitely been around it, but usually not when I'm jamming. I, I have been that player and I have uh-huh. been around that player. I think I've been around that player more often than I've been that player. But yeah, I absolutely love the people that want more that you know they you give them what's there on the surface and they want to start digging down they want to get more they they don't want to just keep 
seeing what's on the surface. They really want to get into, you know, well, why is this? You know, I, I, you know, there's a waif in the street. Are there many waifs in the street? Does this city have a, you know, a problem with homeless children? If so, where did they come from? Oh my God, now there are were rats. <laughs> what an interesting segue. <laughs> John, Julia? Alpha gamers, definitely. Like the alpha who's like socially alpha. Do you have anyone you want to name? I would say probably my friend Brad Basso. Okay. He's usually a GM, but he is an alpha gamer. Kirk. I don't know. Has he ever been on the show? No, Kirk has no. been on the show. He is also an alpha gamer. I just like alpha gamers because uh, like we were just talking about this at dinner, how sometimes I have to like stay away and shut my mouth because I will feel that nobody is taking the lead and I'll just take it. And I shouldn't because my character isn't a leader or blah, blah, blah. So it's nice to have more of them around so that one person isn't leading the charge, if you will. And people bring wine and snacks. Oh, they, oh yeah. I usually bring oh, yes. cupcakes, so I'm usually one of those. Concessions girl. And it one. is always a girl, it seems. <laughs> Mary brings wine. Welcome. Drew brings beer. I bring cupcakes. I was how this works. What I always did was I wouldn't bring something every week, but once every few weeks, I would stop by Walgreens or Schnooks or, you know, some kind of grocery store on the way down, and I would grab a large amount of stuff and then bring it and then put it in the box for future weeks. So I always contributed, but not every week. I mean, I just. In oh. general, there were always identifiable things of mine that I had given to the group. Yeah, members. I tend to bring cases of beer, and then when it's gone, bring another one. I'm pretty sure that my gaming group is just like my cupcake guinea pigs, so they're probably fine with that. So in, in my uh, in my once-a-month Sunday group, a couple of us are kind of craft beer snobby, right? So one guy always brings a broad variety of things for the group to sample, not to get ripped, but just to try, to try. some different stuff. And my wife always cooks, so she puts together an elaborate dinner spread, <laughs> right? You know, homemade bread, homemade casseroles, cookies, or whatever kind of confection. She spends the whole day in preparation for that so we have dinner and a game so people come over at four we game for a couple a couple few hours we eat dinner for a little while and then we go back and finish the game for the rest of the night and it makes it a much more sort of special and interesting event but it's cool when you've got people that contribute and then for me i think that's the most valuable thing and we've already touched on a variety of ways is the person who is contributing to the game but at my table, one guy who I love, this guy Brent Goad, I mean, he's a, a thorn in my side and a pain in the ass, and he looks at me as his enemy, and we are adversaries at opposite ends of the table. But he's a great gamer. He's always involved. He's always paying attention. And most importantly, when things kind of go off the rails and digress a little bit, he's the guy, not me. He's the guy that pulls everybody politely. Hey, let's get back to the game. You know, we're here for this reason. We've got limited time. We're only here once a month. So somebody to kind of police the group to keep them on point. I absolutely love that. That's yes, totally the me. group dad slash even tactical shepherd. I mean, we could go on a on a long, long sidetrack about this, but if someone's there saying, get off your phone, stop all tabbing, let's play the damn game, that's a helpful player character. Yeah. Yes. Amen. So, Broder, did I understand that right? That you have someone you do not personally like, but you professionally appreciate as a gamer? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I probably misstated that or misrepresented okay. it. I love Brent. I mean... That's where I got the expression that Saturday night is for slamming bitches. Because he used to be really, really fat. So he's a philosopher. (laughs) Yes. He used to be really, really fat. And then he lost just a shit 
ton of weight <laughs> to join the military, and he got ripped, and now he's really successful with the ladies. Or Saturday night is for slamming bitches. <laughs> so he's, but he's a really, really special. He's like key lime pie, man. He's an acquired taste, and a lot of people don't like him, but he's at his core a really, really great guy. But he can be an insufferable pain in the ass. Here's another. Here's another firewag. Okay. Somebody who challenges me as a game master, not challenges my knowledge of the rules or my knowledge of the canon, Just but somebody who, yeah, who challenges me to be a better game master and brings yeah. that guy. Yeah, there are always players like that, that you know, even if at the time you kind of wish they weren't doing it, in retrospect, you look back and you're like, that person made me take it up a notch. If they can do it well, and yeah. that for me is the rub, is I've had players who help me, but I've also had players who just, it, it comes off as degrading. You know, but if they can get that mix right of challenging me without being degrading about it. I like people yeah. who pay attention to the setting and ask good questions and like write maps and keep records and crap. I'll name someone by name. Miranda, you've played with her before. Yep. The group librarian. Uh, the group librarian, yes. She insists on putting maps together. She'll maintain a wiki for games she's not even running. She's just a PC in them. She'll come to the game knowing exactly what happened in the previous game what the names of the NPCs are, what items they have. Uh, a lot of the times, and I'm guilty of this periodically too, players will get back and be like, oh yeah, who was that guy? What happened then? Where are we? What's my character's name? I'm not guilty of it that bad. <laughs> but but everyone is on that continuum between paying attention and retaining a grasp of what's been said and done and being catatonic. And when when someone is so on it that he or she can remember her own stuff on lock, and even the stuff you told other people and the stuff you put out generally as part of the setting, that is a massive, massive help as a GM because you don't have to go back and say, okay, the Castle of Buttholes was 30 leagues north. You guys <laughs> were headed to logic. it last week. <laughs> you had all your lightness spells prepared and you held your noses. Let's roll for initiative. The Castle of Buttholes well, in module for recommended for players <laughs> levels one to three. Yes. <laughs> Well, it's nice to have that player in your group because maybe only one person doesn't remember it. You can kind of let them go to the side and she could have taken care of it. So you didn't have to re-explain the whole thing to everybody yes. when only one didn't know. And it's especially good with her because she's an extremely hostile person who has no patience <laughs> for other people. So Perfect. as soon as one person pipes up, she's like, she's like God damn it. damn it. The Castle of Buttholes was 30 leagues to the north. We went over this already. I wrote it down. It's on the wiki. Let's go. And I'm like, ah, ha, ha, yes. I couldn't say it because then I'm a dick, but she could say it. That so, sounds very similar to what I do. And I didn't realize that I was considered hostile when they oh, do yeah. that. I get super pissed off if you didn't pay attention enough to know, like, the main plot. Like, yep. I just want to murder you. I'm just like, Ur. I just want to punch you across the table. I do that to my husband often. And it's always <laughs> terrible, right? When you've been, you know, as as someone who's been putting together a game, you're like, you've got all the names of the NPCs and the places you went. And then you ask someone to say, okay, so what did we do last game? And they're like, we went to that place that sounded like Albuquerque, but wasn't Albuquerque. We met that one guy who knew that other guy, and I think yeah. he wore black. And a lot of these are symptoms of active versus passive approach to gaming. And I think we can all agree as GMs, part-time or full-time, that engaged players are a hell of a lot more fun than non-engaged players. So the ultimate FWAG or whatever we're calling this acronym uh, is someone who shows up dialed in on time every time, knowing what was said the last time around and challenging us in good ways not being a rules lawyer or a setting lawyer, but but grasping into the setting in the game, 
fighting back, advancing their own plots, advancing the group plot, contra someone who just is kind of dialing it in. Well, the one thing that all these people really have in common is, you know, they're they're greasing the game, right? They, yes. They're helping the game move swiftly along, as opposed to being the sand in the gear is a, is yes. fiddling with yes. their phone. The net effect of them being there is a game that moves better and more easily for the GM as opposed to not. And how does that really, you know, contrast with someone that's like a co-GM? Well, I don't typically like to use co-GMs because I like to assume full responsibility for my own content and act as the first and last arbiter of of what went where. Unless I'm, of course, totally self-contradictory, at which point I invite contradiction and, and please tell me that I said that the Castle of Buttholes was 20 leagues to the south last week. But I think a couple of these players that I've that I've mentioned and talk about and that I'm thinking about now would not want to be a co-GM. They want to have their own plot line. They want to come in with a strong background. They want to engage other PCs, but they don't want to come in and when you turn it around and say, well, I don't know what's in the box or please fill out the nine NPCs that you just met for me. Uh, they're part of your corner of the world now. Uh, you tell me. The the group that I've run with on and off where I can think of two or three of these really good active players would hate that kind of response. It would break the illusion that I'm maintaining that everything is where it should be for a good reason, that I've got all the answers, whether I have them or not, and that they are discovering something that is actually waiting there, uh, lurking beyond the next door in the next pit for them to find. Whereas if you if you bring someone on as a co-GM, you need to ask them to sacrifice that sense of being a discoverer or getting lost in their own character. Because you can't really do that if you're responsible for painting in the world outside of your own character sheet. So the next two that I'm going to give, these are two people for one thing. I'm going to talk about on Chad and Wayne here. Out-of-game or between-game contributions, the people that are excited enough about the game or invested enough in it that between play sessions, they've got things they want to talk about, things they want to contribute. One of the struggles that I have with gaming is you have the game, and then you have this long dead period before the next game where things get cold in your mind, that energy fizzles off. I mean, it's kind of this punctuated equilibrium, and the punctuation is the game's. But when you have players that are really invested in the action and keep it going between the game sessions, that sort of keeps that alive just a little bit for me. It keeps me thinking about it. keeps everything fresh in my mind. It makes it less likely I'm going to forget things. keeps me more excited to get into the next game session. And that's a gamer that I would love to be. I just don't have the time for it. Like, I wish I had enough time to dedicate to it, doing that. It's not even big things. It's not. It's just these little things. You, know, you can just tell. It's the wheels are working in their mind when they're driving to work or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not like they'll give me this huge amount of paperwork, but they'll just shoot me an email saying, hey, what about this? Or, you know, let's think yeah. about yeah. that or something. When, when we get back to town, I want to do this. Don't let me forget. Right. Or, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's. And the, hey, be prepared for, because I want to do this when we get yeah. back to town. A lot, of like times, a lot of times, like our GMs are busy too. So it's hard for us to like do that throughout the week. But I do notice that we usually take an hour of like social time before we actually start playing to get everybody it out of their system and get all their when... weed ground yeah i got it <laughs> so that's normally when we do that exchange it's like hey i want to do this and... 
it's also a fine line to tread because I've also had players who uh, have gone over from being engaged during uh, the game off time to wanting to like progress things during game off time, and you got to be like, "Come on, guy! I, I know that you you know you want to go check out that cave, and you're asking me all these questions about what's in it and you know what the fauna and flora are like. It's like just just wait for the game, dude." I'll take that over the dead fish stony day of the week. Yeah, me too. That's, That's fair enough. The I, the issues that I have though is that when when I get players like this, my first reaction is always to say, "Okay, yeah, so here's a little bit." And then it's, you know, you give them the inch and they start taking the mile. Right, but I, I have to say I love the gamer that is willing to embrace restrictions like in the the example of the person who wants to contribute between games and if you just politely explain to them yeah you know this is all great but i would like to confine it to in the game the guy who's willing to say oh yeah of course man you're right no problem you know when you sit down and you pitch the campaign to the group and you have a variety of restrictions or parameters that you want to set on the game for specific storytelling or narrative reasons and the player that's like oh yeah i'm on board it's great let's do this you know i we, we all have to play humans from this one particular town great i love that let's do that you know yeah and i've i've been unusually fortunate in the last several years when i came to and said you're all goblins and you're poor and you get nothing (laughs) i have you know four of the five people that started with that idea i still know and i still game with on at least an occasional basis and they're all dtf for all kinds of crap like that and i just love games like that whether i'm running or playing amen and just just the fact that they're willing to accept whatever because oh dude you're running a game great i'll be a poor broke ass It's great when you personally have that level of capital with them. I agree. But even outside, I think I think there's a band of player who who you can go to to take two examples from my relatively recent past. Say uh, you're all members of a paladin order. You don't have to take levels of paladin, but you're good and you're either a knight itself or you're some sort of support class. They all said awesome. Or this is a mage city campaign. I'm running a world which I believe is internally consistent with the level of power that's available to magic users in a D&D setting. That is to say, the world is absolutely dominated by people with tons of levels of pure caster classes because they're vastly more powerful than everyone else in droves. And then they say, oh, yeah, sure, we'll pick classes, we'll all be specialist wizards, blah, 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 blah. I like the funky stuff like that. And when a player will grab it and run with it and make a cool idea instead of saying... But I can't be a ninja. Right. Or whatever. Oh, yeah. And it's also great when you can, you know, pitch a game that has sort of an idea behind it. It's not just, you know, obviously, you know, we're all going to be paladins is one thing, but it's another thing to come to players and say, in this game, I want to explore this theme. Like uh, a couple times at Fear of the Con, I ran uh, a nihilist My Little Pony game because <laughs> I really wanted to explore the idea if people could have a good time playing a game that was designed not to be fun. <laughs> well, oh, I bet that's yeah, easy with a couple girth. of the ponies. <laughs> Pinkie Pie is nihilist as hell. She is a short-sighted hedonist oh, yeah, who achieves nothing but her own personal pleasure for the next few hours. Yeah, Azure Vep was a total standout for that. He just dove right in. And I it was don't doubt that at all. Azure Vep brings me to another category. Uh, people who will love anything that you do because you are you. Azure plays in all my games and offers me really good, honest criticism when I misstep. And when he loves it, he loves it. It's sort of good to have like 
someone who is more or less in your fan club and is your fan club. Yeah, somebody who's a fan yeah, of yours. And is honest or, with you, too, as yeah. far as... No, totally. Oh, yeah. I mean, so how many times do you run a game at the end of the game, you're like, so how did that go? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, it was pretty good. It's like, it's come on, that doesn't help me. Have fun. Right. So from the fan perspective, and this is going to sound all schmaltzy, but, but my brother Bob. My brother Bob is the Leonardo da Vinci of gaming, right? He does all of it. He writes the game. He knows the rules. He puts together the most amazing terrain for encounters. And it's, it's just not necessary, but he loves doing it. He custom makes, you know, custom converts miniatures. My brother out of any person I've ever gamed with has put together the entirely immersive game experience music at all. I mean, it is un. Believable. I mean, I've always idolized him ever since I was a little kid. But him, <laughs> obviously. But him, but him, <laughs> but him is a game master. It's unbelievable the level of production and effort and thought that he puts into a game. It's truly, truly amazing. Well, and I can't go the other direction, but we were just complaining about my brother earlier. But that is one thing <laughs> that he does do for gaming is that if we start a campaign. And he can find a mini for you and he thinks it's perfect for you. He's going to get it for you and give it to you. Like yeah. he loves trying to production find value. That's a good point. Yeah. And this, this applies more to game masters than, than players, but there's some GMs who you get there and you get the impression that they haven't thought of this game since the end of last week and, or they're just kind of making it up and there's really nothing in the box. Uh, and other GMs like your brother, whether the game is a hit or the game is a dud, you know they sat down and thought about it. Oh, they yeah. got the minis. They did the maps. There are paths that the game can go in that have balanced encounters waiting on the other end of it. It's the difference between a game that, for lack of a better analogy, has a high production value and one that doesn't. I'd like to roll back a little bit if I could um, and hear a little bit more about what Julia doesn't like about her brother. <laughs> we can't beat up Jason here. Jason is a good guy. No, I and love this my is brother. The positive episode. This is a positive episode. I, I feel like we could have a real breakthrough here, though. No, <laughs> we couldn't. No, I love my brother. I mean, I do. I live with him. I've lived with him for four years. He's going to be a great uncle, and that's. <laughs> let's leave it at that. He's going to be a great uncle. Yeah, do you have an oh, announcement? No, not for a great us? uncle. Yeah, what the like hell? a good uncle. How's that? <laughs> Like oh, he's so he's kids. just going to be good? Are you a yeah. Tribble? Are you going to give birth to pregnant offspring? <laughs> I am. <laughs> nice. Oh, my gosh. Talk that explains all the right uncontrollable there. eating. <laughs> my brother is so is so mean. <laughs> Go on. I knew we were going to get a breakthrough here. <laughs> no, this is more because of Tribble. It's totally off topic. I used, So the popular thing when I was in basketball was to wear your hair like really high up on top of your head in this crazy mess. And him and his friends used to like yell at me that I needed to get the triple off my head. Like I'd come down the stairs in the morning, like, and they'd be like, Oh my God, there's a triple on your head. And I'd like freak out for a second. I'm like, Oh, God, you guys are assholes. <laughs> a good bonus episode would be ways. Julie's friends and family abused her growing up because yes. that is hardly the most horrifying story. It's not, <laughs> but anyway, I think Broder's already won that. <laughs> oh man. Oh. I've just been traumatized. That's my problem. Like, I want to say that, but they've just, they're just so mean to me all the time. Like all the time. They're so mean to me. I never caught a break. Like I was a teenager being told I had small boobs and I should like <laughs> my brother and his friends called me planes. <laughs> like That's I'm just because they wanted to tap you for some white. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm talking about it. 
do you feel like you have sort of a a, a basic reaction of, of anger towards your family? <laughs> What's funny is like I, I took it like a champ. Like I was just like, okay. Like I get really upset at the moment, but your eye today. twitched when you said that. <laughs> your no. God Did is my really? witness. Your left eye twitched while you were talking. Well, I would get mad at the time and then but it didn't affect me. Like I'm a normal person like it well, apart from the how all twitches on- <laughs> and and yet you feel like you need to talk about this <laughs> he is a doctor I said, bob is a doctor <laughs> no it's just it, the stuff ask john the stuff that they used to do to me it was really funny it's it's like funny antics like it's so this is your way of dissociating from the trauma <laughs> oh you know, geez you're, funny you're saying funny but i don't i don't hear a smile behind it <laughs> oh, you I can see smiling. it if you were here yeah she's having a hoot yeah, my family loved me. Anyway, my brother is great. I you threw away that that bit about your family <laughs> loving you very quickly. Uh, would, would you like to talk about that? Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh god! Uh, I was like, but they actually love you. It's, it's kind of taking on an enabling tone. <laughs> oh! Do they say they love you when they're restricting your activities? Do, do you see that in their actions or just their words? This is too much for me. Move on. All right. Well, we'll 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 go ahead and put a pin in that. Can we talk a little bit about your pets that you have? (laughs) Why? Well, you're the one who wanted to move on. I mean, you want to go back? Absolutely. Oh my god. Yeah, we're still within our hour. So. Yeah, we paid for Bob to be here. It's your time. We can we can spend this however you'd like. Oh jeez. You're killing me. Seriously, Bob, you're killing me. So now when you, when you say that, I feel like you're 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 really you're really coming through genuinely. Do, do you do you hear that there? My face hurts. Oh, oh that that was good. Oh, good times. Oh. <laughs> the group artist. The I'm group not, artist is good. It's been a while since I've gamed with one of these, but gaming is very, oh. obviously, verbal, very lingual, and have somebody come along who can, can draw, draw and Marius. actually says, you know what, I'm going to draw this bit of setting, draw this NPC, yes. draw the PCs. Yes. I always love that. I've not gamed with an artist in gonna, quite some I'm going to give two props to that. Mary Randazzo. As an artist, she always draws scenes. She'll actually draw full-on scenes of things that she liked in your game. And Kirk are both our artists. The way you... Mary draws full-on scenes from the game and Kirk. And Kirk. Wait. He he hasn't done it in a while because he's been GMing. There's a player who I play with on and off over the years, uh, Molly Phelan. She was in the Blood and Goblins game. And she'll just turn around and be like, oh, this sucks. I haven't had a chance to draw this yet. And and forward a, a pencil sketch that you know, looks like someone who actually took time to do it well. And she'll be like, oh, it'll be much better next week. I can't even believe I sent this to you. But that's how some artists are, I guess. And it's not just visual arts either. I had a player one time who wrote a no no foolin' sonnet about something that happened in game. (laughs) Nice. I actually, for a Shadowrun game, we had like a loft we lived in. I used to want to be an interior designer. So I went on my interior designer program and actually designed our whole house and like whose rooms was where like it was pretty That's elaborate badass. and like there was i even designed the garage with all the cool gun racks and shit. 
all over the place. Like it was, it was a pretty sweet Shadowrun pad. I'm not gonna lie. Now, you sound really excited about that. <laughs> why, why did you stop with the interior? <laughs> you don't make money. That's. <laughs> well, anyone could have told you that. <laughs> <laughs> Now I do the same thing to web pages. I make them pretty and do things. So it's close. You sounded sad when you said that. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I, I I'm just I'm just telling you how how I'm you know perceiving what I'm hearing from you. I must stop talking. <laughs> Is that your usual defense mechanism? <laughs> How's that been working for you so far? <laughs> Is it normally my defense mechanism, John? Uh, I'm asking you the question, Sir Julius. <laughs> this is our time. <laughs> I'm here to help you. John, you've, it, it sounds to me like you, you're, you're very invested in having control over the situation. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Bob? Oh, That's how I keep the world at arm's length. I filter as many relationships as I can through the professional patina of the practice of law. Oh, my God. What a great episode that would be, though. Is actual group therapy. So, <laughs> so if, if Bob wasn't just focused on Julia, but an actual episode, especially with, like, original you, hosts. You do know that Bob is not a therapist. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, no, he's not that kind of doctor. He's an artificially intelligent doctor. That's that's why his artificially intelligent robot is the one. He's, he's off beating off someplace or yelling at the cat. <laughs> How do you feel about the yelling at the cat? <laughs> <laughs> I just think that would be a real hoot. Get you and Chad and John and somebody else. Not and, me. Yeah, and, and and the therapist. Just the three of you and the therapist. <laughs> so not bad. So an actual, an like, actual real therapist. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That'd be a badass episode. That could, that could end actually, this podcast. That could end this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I can actually probably get us one. All friendships, just like family relationships, are conducted on a certain amount of open dishonesty. <laughs> oh, yes. that's the that's the truth. Just that's that's the basis of every successful relationship. Yeah. See, and what I try to avoid is hidden dishonesty. <laughs> Lies about lies right it's more kind of the thing that i think if everyone knew it you know right if you had a piece of paper you could all write it down you don't probably write the same thing down but nobody actually communicates it yeah you got to treat a lie like a big angry dog you know as soon as you stop feeding it it's gonna turn around and bite you <laughs> but as long as everybody knows it's there you feel yeah. safer yeah exactly <laughs> so wow that was dark yeah. and accurate i <laughs> I don't really know if I conduct honest. my personal life that way. It's at this point, I'd like to point out that there exists a Tumblr where uh, they have nihilistic sayings uh, in Lisa Frank graphics. Ah, I want that. Amazing. I have seen the Twitter account for Nihilist Arby's. Nihilist Arby's is excellent. Nihilist Arby's is great. Yeah, I'll link that in the show notes. I don't think I'm going to be anything original there, but it's it's still pretty amusing as you're enjoying our large extra value meal please reflect on the fact that you will inevitably die <laughs> i think i'm going to wrap this one up here because i've got a bunch of stuff i got to attend to this week so i want to make sure i actually get the show edited and released so please check the show notes for links to DrewCon, to the indiegogo campaign to the facebook page if you want to get more information about that uh, we hope you can contribute but more than that we certainly just hope you can come and you can find all the information to that in the show notes. And Bob, I want to thank you for joining us. Thanks, it's, Bob. I feel like it's really important for you that I hear that, and I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so, as for the rest of you guys at home, have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. See ya. 
This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2015. Listeners are free to use this show in any non-commercial endeavor as long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the Pulp Gamer Media Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at pulpgamer.com. <laughs>